Coming from where we came from, there is no good reason to complain about a fourth straight week at or above 500 against the spread. Let's get into these week 15 picks. There is plenty to talk about, including some fantasy football playoff content. Let's go. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 15 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2021 NFL season. And yes, as I mentioned above, four straight weeks now, at least at 500 against the spread, which has really helped to pull the record back up. Look, I mean, we're in striking distance here. One really good week, and we're back to 500 on the season, which is a, a tremendous accomplishment for me. Historically, I've struggled against the spread, but we're doing better this year. Nine and five straight up in week 14. That was a strong showing. Started the week fairly strong and kind of teetered out there towards the end. I was going to even money over the last part of the week, but nine and five straight up. 112 95 and 1 straight up on the season 53.8%. It is a down season, but I'm not going to complain too much about 9 and 5. And like I said, fourth straight weeks at least 500 against the spread. I was an even money 7 and 7. And once again, I started the week 6 and 2. So, really kind of hit a cold streak there towards the end of the week, but still ended up at 500. Not going to complain too much. 100 106 and 2 against the spread on the season. Over-unders above 500, three and one on the four over-unders in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from last week. Means I'm nine and 11 since we swapped over to just doing those picks, 64 and 92 overall on the season. Imagine all the money to be made just fading every single total play I gave you all year. Very strong week in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks last week. 4-0 straight up, 3-1 and against the spread, and the only one that I didn't get was the one where I took the points. I took the plus 8 on Detroit. They wind up losing by 28, so lesson learned on that one, I guess. So that was the only one that I missed. I got Green Bay laying 12.5, got Tennessee laying 9.5, got the Chiefs laying 9.5. That Green Bay one looked a little dicey there for a while, but 3 and one against the spread and three and one on the totals the only one I missed being the Kansas City and Vegas game staying under 48 and a half and Kansas City scored 48 points on their own boy did the Raiders ever wake up a sleeping giant on that one but it was a strong week in the top plays of the week and that one's for Half Moon's picks who I justifiably almost gave a heart attack to with all that chalk that I was laying but everywhere that I laid chalk it wound up working out not a ton of movement standings-wise in any of the Pick'em pools in the Bridgewater's Finest pool. I'm still 19th out of 28. I did move up a little bit in the Half Moons pool, now up to 25th out of 100. The Anti and Co. pool, I think I might have even moved up a spot there into 16th. And the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I brought in 81 of 105 confidence points in week 14. 1,025 confidence points on the season so far. Only 61.9% on the season, but I did bring in 77% 
of the total points in week 14. So got to feel like I'm moving in the right direction there. The Half Moons pool 60 of 105 confidence points, just a little bit over 57%, which did actually pull me above the 50% mark for like, I think maybe, maybe the first time this season in the Half Moons pool in terms of confidence points on the season. 819 out of 1656, it's 52.3%. I feel good about being over 50%. And look, that's got me in the top quarter of that pool. Anything can happen with a few weeks here yet to go. Shout out to our week 14 winners, and we're gonna start right at the top with the marquee one in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, Ali H. 4548, which is uh, uh, Alan is his name, and he is a good friend of, good friend of the show, West Coast Martin, that was brought to my attention earlier this week. Allie ran the table, 14 and 0, all 105 confidence points on the board goes into their ledger this week, and that is massive. It doesn't matter whether it's a 13-game week or a 16-game week, when you run the table, when you play the matchups that are in front of you and you get all of them, it's not the first time it's happened, but it's remarkable every time it does happen. That I mean, that is what everybody strives for when they're doing this. So a massive, massive week to Alan. Congratulations, my friend. Hope to see you more in this pool this year and hopefully moving forward into next year as well. But man, 14-0, that is impressive. In the Half Moons pool, week 14, bounce back, bounce underscore back to be accurate. 101 of 105 confidence points. I think they only got one wrong. I think it was maybe they took Washington for four points, I think, possibly. But look, 101 of 105, that's 96.2%, was good enough to win the Half Moons pool, and that is another massive, massive performance. Now, in the Ante and Co pool, three teams tied with 12 and 2 straight up records in that pool to win week 14. Obviously, an impressive showing there. Uncle BBQ Barry remains the overall leader in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool, 1,174 confidence points on the season. It's just under 71%, so Uncle BBQ making a big jump forward uh, considering how deep we are in the season. They made the jump forward back up over that 70% clip. They're leading the way there. We have a new overall leader in the Half Moon's Picks Pool for the first time in what feels like months. In fact, for the first time since week six, I'm going to be calling a name that is not Moby Polito. Turkudo takes back over the overall lead in the Half Moon's Picks Pool with 963 confidence points on the year. It's just over 58%. So you're looking at how close especially that pool is. Yes, I might only be in 25th place, but the percentile difference, it's less than 6%. On the season. So this is still anybody's game moving forward. Turkudo closed that gap with Moby Polito and took over the overall lead in that pool. Big congratulations to them. In the Ante and Co pool, Bubsy's Thickum Pickums remains the overall leader straight up. 134 straight up correct picks out of the 208 games so far this year. So those are the paces that we're trying to catch up to, but especially in the Half Moons pool. Man, doesn't it feel achievable? Let's take a peek into what might be a little bit of an extra long uh, fantasy corner here, which is, of course, presented to you by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. And if you go to the description of this video on YouTube, you're going to find my affiliate link, my referral link, 
to join the Dynasty Trade Calculator. And for as little as $3, you can get access to one of the absolute best tools available for Dynasty Keeper and long-term fantasy football, trade evaluations, player rankings, podcasts, some great experts on that site. And it does not matter how your league is configured, the Dynasty Trade Calculator has got you covered. Once again, get my referral link, my affiliate link, down below and for just three dollars gain access to the dtc now i did go four and two in week 14 action which feels pretty good most of my teams are still alive for playoff spots there are a lot of playoffs begin this week some of them don't begin until next so most of those teams rounding into solid form here late in the season that includes in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, where I picked up the win last week over Fresh Prince of Air to finish the regular season at 10-4. and four. This is my third straight season with at least 10 wins in the regular season. I believe my last two years, I've been 11-2 and two in both of those. Of course, we have one extra week in the regular season moving forward because now we have 17, uh, 17 games, 18 weeks in the NFL. I have a playoff quarterfinal matchup with Beetle Bailey. And if you remember that, keen-eared listeners might remember last year I played Beetle Bailey in the playoff quarterfinals. I did pick up the win in that matchup last year, but that is the only playoff game that I have won in this league in the last three seasons. I've been a wrecking ball in the regular season. The playoff results have left something to be desired. And right now with this matchup with Beetle Bailey, it's projected too close to call. I think he's like a three or four point favorite, but in fantasy terms, that's less than a fantasy football touchdown. So I'm going to call it too close to call, but I've got work to do if I want to survive through this first round. In the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, I lost to the blind Canadian Cats, but the Cats are alive. I believe they made the playoffs based on that win for them, so big congratulations to them. I finished the regular season only 5-9 and nine in that league, only good for 10th place and missing the playoffs for the second straight season. Reminder, I won this league title back in 2019 and now have back-to-back -back years missing the playoffs. So we only keep a couple of players year to year. I have some good ideas for keepers heading into next season, but I, I just I got to draft better. That's my that's, uh, flat out. I have to do better on draft night. But I do have a consolation quarterfinal matchup against Half Moon coming up in week 15. That is too close to call. And since playoff uh, or rather draft positioning is not based on last year's results, I'm going to try to do everything I can to win as many consolation games as I can for the rest of the year. And I'll take this opportunity now, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of this video on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from last week, all of my picks for week 15 here in the NFL in 2021. You're going to find information on joining those pick'em pools, the Bridgewater's Finest pool, the Half Moons Against the Spread pool, as well as the Anti and Co. Straight Up pool. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page and information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. As I mentioned in the Grey Cup episode of my CFL show, my last cup of blueberry tea was consumed when I recorded that show, so it is officially time for my next order at nerdtees.ca. And when you go to nerdtees.ca and you use my promo code, which is BWFinest, that is going to save you 15% at checkout. 
you're going to get free shipping on any order in Canada over $100, which is an excellent deal. And if you're in the U.S., you're going to get a great conversion rate on the U.S. dollar. Today's blend where we are officially out of blueberry is white truffle, and it is one of my favorite dessert blends you brew up a cup of this bad boy and it just smells like a bakery in here. And that is one of dozens and dozens of incredible loose leaf tea blends that you can find on nerdteas.ca. Use my promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdteas.ca. Week 15 is going to be an interesting week in the NFL, not only due to the fact that there are a lot of really, really hazy injury situations and a number that I did not choose to hold against the teams who are playing. There's a hazy injury situation that I did choose to hold against a particular team, but we'll talk about that in just a second. The ones that I didn't hold against teams are like, Lamar Jackson and Calais Campbell. We don't know whether they're going to play. Coach Harbaugh said he expects Lamar Jackson to play, so I, I didn't hold it against Baltimore. Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals. He was having back spasms last week. All we heard was, oh, he's going to be limited early in the week. And it's like, well, that's not very committal one way or the other. For Washington, Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's in concussion protocol, so that's always a question mark. And Taylor Heineke's got a knee injury, but I think the expectation is that he's going to play. So again, the number of these that I didn't hold against teams, I tried to only hold like the confirmed and significant ones against teams this week with one notable exception. And also the rule of four finally cracked in 2021. It took 14 weeks for the rule of four to fail to hit now 13 and one on the season. And that is on the back of against the spread favorites covering 11 of the 14 games in week 14, pretty spectacular stuff from the favorites. That's the rebound I've kind of been waiting for all year long. We finally saw it. What's going to happen in week 15? Let's talk about it. And let's begin with the Thursday night game, the LA Chargers at home playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs. Division matchup here of the AFC West, and obviously we're going to have a lot of division matchups from here on out. Uh, Chiefs leading this division. Chargers are right there at 8-5. and five. Chargers are one of the more penalized teams in the NFL this year, and they are dealing with the injury situation that I am actually going to hold against them, despite what the predominant narrative seems to be out of the team. And it's about Austin Eckler. So he re-aggravated his ankle injury last week. All the talk was, oh, he could have gone back in last week if need be. And uh, we, we certainly plan for him to play. I think Austin Eckler playing this week is L.A. gambling on the rest of their entire season. Yes, I'm, I'm saying that like, oh, well, if. Him injuring it further obviously is a big if. But you could have said the same thing last week. And when you know who won the pony, he's re-aggravated his ankle injury. They're on a short week. They play on Thursday. They're only one game out of the division. Even if they lose this game, they're only two games out of the division. And they're still right there in the wild card. If it's me and I have a nuclear weapon on my team like Austin Eckler, who I think there's a decent chance that if he plays, he might re-aggravate that injury further, 
I'm not playing him on a Thursday night game, even though it's in prime time, even though it's against the division rivals, the rivals who are leading the division, even though I'm only a game back. You have to look at the full context here and say, what's more important, the Thursday night game in week 15 or the games we have to play in weeks 16, 17, and 18, which will determine whether or not we make the playoffs. So if it's me, I it does, makes no sense to me to ask for Austin Eckler to play this game. Do it. You sit him this week. You let him get some extra rest on that ankle for the next three-game stretch that will determine the rest of your season and what the narrative about this whole season winds up being. So in my mind's eye, Austin Eckler is not playing in this game. Given that, I'm certainly going to go with the Chiefs. We saw last week the Raiders kind of woke up the sleeping giant here in Kansas City. They're now averaging 33 points a game over their last four, have two games in that stretch where they scored 40 points or more. The defense is all right. They've certainly been playing better the last couple of weeks. I really like the Chiefs in this one. Let's take Kansas City on the road in Los Angeles to beat the Chargers. Now on the line, the Chiefs are only laying minus four because of course people have not gotten it through their heads yet that it would be stupid for Austin Eckler to play in this game. This number will grow, so I'm pretty happy to lay the four points here right now on Kansas City. Let's take Chiefs 30, Chargers 23, Chiefs cover the four. Let's go to Cleveland now for a battle of two very under uh, underachieving teams. Well, I was about to say underappreciated, but I think if anything, they might be overappreciated. The Cleveland Browns and the Las Vegas Raiders. So obviously, like we've mentioned, the Raiders did that silly stuff on the Chiefs logo and the Chiefs lit them up for 48 points in retaliation. This is a battle of two of the most penalized teams in in the NFL between the Browns and the Raiders. Browns dealing with an injury situation as well, and it's not good news from my fantasy team potentially. It is Kareem Hunt at running back RB2, of course. He has an ankle injury. He's considered week to week, and per coach Stefanski, he seems unlikely to play in this game. This game, I believe, taking place on Saturday, if memory serves me correct, so it's something of a short week. Even in considering the penalty problems, the injury to Hunt, and how bad this Browns offense has looked over the last month or so's worth of games, uh, the Raiders are probably the worst team in the NFL right now. Their, their offense is awful. Their defense is really bad. Three of their last four games, they've given up at least 32 points. That's a significant problem. And don't be fooled by only giving up 17 points in their previous game. They only scored 15, so they couldn't even keep up with that pace. Um, in my mind, the Raiders are one of, if not the worst teams in the NFL right now. I'm going to take the Browns to win this game. I think Cleveland gets the job done. They've been good at home this year. Let's take the Browns straight up to beat the Raiders. However, on the line, the Browns are laying six points. So that's going to be a no because the Browns, I believe, are good at home, but I don't believe they're against the spread numbers have looked quite that good. So I'm going to, you know, kind of hedge here a little bit. That's just too many points for me. Let's take the six points on the Vegas Raiders. Kind of hold your nose there a little bit. Let's take Browns 20, Vegas 17. Also worth noting there, Raiders are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games.
Let's go to Indianapolis now for what is probably one of the games of the week, certainly in terms of the AFC playoff picture, the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. Now, both of these teams are coming into this game fresh off of their bye, so neither of them played last week. They're well-rested, getting some of their injuries healed up and taken care of. Both of these teams also come in as two of the best ball control teams in the NFL in terms of the turnover differential. Both of these defenses are opportunistic. Both of these offenses limit the mistakes that they make. Indianapolis, also one of the least penalized teams in the NFL, one of the five least penalized teams. Can't quite say that for the Patriots, although their discipline doesn't particularly worry me right now. Both of these teams among the best teams in football over the last month or so worth of games. Indianapolis outscoring opponents 32-18 to over their last four games. Patriots outscoring opponents 30-8 to over their last four. So that Patriots defense is on fire. They have not allowed more than 13 points against in any of their last four games. I think that's the way I got to wind up leaning on this game. This felt like it was going to be an upset for me one way or the other, but I think that Patriots defense is the dynamic difference maker in this game. Let's take New England on the road in Indianapolis to get a win over the Colts. Now on the line, the Patriots are actually two point dogs here at, uh, are on the road rather, two point dogs on the road. I like them to win. So let's take the two points. This is one of those games that's very, very close. I won't be shocked one way or the other. However you want to go on this game, I completely understand it, but I'm going to take the Patriots. Let's go New England 34, Indianapolis 31. I expect some fireworks in this game, but ultimately I like the Patriots to get it done. Let's go to Miami now for a battle that feels more lopsided than I think it actually is. The Miami Dolphins at home playing host to the New York Jets. Now, part of the problem here is like it's two teams going in opposite directions in a way. Miami is coming in off their bye, so they're going to be well rested. They got weapons there. Jalen Waddell has played very, very well over the last few weeks. Two has had a number of really good games here just heading into the bye. The Jets, meanwhile, they're the Jets. They're one of the worst ball control teams in the entirety of the NFL. Now, when you look at them, the defense hasn't played all that well the last couple of weeks. A couple weeks before that, it wasn't looking too bad. I don't know what to make of this offense. They've got 21 points one time in their last four games, and they're coming off of a 30-9 loss. Now, that's against the Saints, but still... Boy, I just, I don't know what to make of this Jets offense. Meanwhile, Miami, the offense is scoring. The defense is playing very, very well lately. I certainly have to go with the Dolphins in this game. So we're going to take Miami to get the win at home division game against the Jets. Against the spread, Miami's laying eight and a half points. Here's my problem with this. Between minor injuries and COVID diagnoses, the Miami Dolphins do not have a healthy running back on their roster. I believe it was Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed just tested positive for COVID over the weekend. And then their other running backs are, are injured. So I don't think they have a healthy running back on their roster right now. I can't lay eight and a half points on a team that doesn't have a healthy running back. Now, who knows? Do they take a guy like Jalen Waddell and have Waddell operate out of the backfield for that whole game? That might be kind of interesting. That's a possibility. But still, it's eight and a half points. I'm still not thoroughly convinced of the Miami Dolphins as 
like that much better than some of these lower teams, certainly in the AFC. I got to take the eight and a half points. I'm really holding my nose on this one. Let's take the eight and a half on the New York Jets. Let's go Miami 24, New York 17. So Dolphins win, Jets cover the eight and a half. Speaking of division games featuring New York teams, let's go to the Giants now who are going to be at home playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. Again, division matchup here of the NFC East, which is a division that is never quite over, even when you think it might be. So this is no less important a game for Dallas than, you know, any any other game, really. I don't think anybody, we're really late in the season. I don't think, and nobody's clinched a playoff spot yet, have they? Everybody's got at least three losses. It's going to be a really tight and really exciting finish to the season. Now, both of these teams are dealing with injury situations. For the Cowboys, it's on the offensive line. It's Tyron Smith. He injured his ankle. McCarthy has already confirmed he will not play this week. And I got to say, in my years of watching the Dallas Cowboys, as they've had both Tyron Smith and Lale Collins, what I can say is this. The Cowboys offense completely changes when one of those two guys is not in the lineup. You see teams that can adjust somehow to those offensive line injuries and for the most part kind of keep the same offense. Dallas's offense completely changes and it's not for the better when they're missing one of those two guys. Now, Lale Collins is not going to get suspended for the stuff that he did last week. So they're not going to have to worry about missing both of them. But I do have my concerns and my question marks about what the Cowboys offense is going to look like. However, they do get a shot in the arm, this area specifically, considering that for the Giants, defensive tackle Leonard Williams, he injured his elbow. Right now, the predominant conversation is that it's feared to be a pretty significant injury, and the rest of his season here is at risk. Look, the Giants don't have anything to play for here. You might as well shut him down for the rest of the year. They might even want to consider doing that with Daniel Jones. Like, you might as well shut down these guys. There's no sense in, like, risking further injury. So for a guy like Leonard Williams, he certainly won't play in this game, but I'd be shocked if we see him again this year. But I'm still not looking at this like it's going to be a Cowboys blowout. Like, they're clearly the better team. There's Nobody's debating that they're the better team. However, they take way too many penalties, even though they control the ball fairly well. Like, they don't give up a ton of turnovers. But they take way too many penalties. And this is Dallas's third straight game on the road. This is back-to-back-to-back road games. That is a problem. That's a lot of travel. That's weary, weary bones, weary muscles. You don't get the, the modern conveniences of home. And three straight road games, it's not nothing. You definitely got to take it into consideration. I like the Cowboys to win the game because they are certainly the better team between the two. Let's take Dallas on the road in New York to beat the Giants. However, Giants taking 10.5 points here as the home underdog. That's a lot of points to lay on a team that takes penalties, has an injury, third straight road game, just a number of things going against the Cowboys in this spot. Certainly not enough, in my opinion, anyway, for the Giants to win the game outright, but I'm going to take the 10.5 on New York. Let's take Dallas 30, New York 21. Certainly a solid win for Dallas by two possessions, but I'm going to take the points on New York. The other division matchup here of the NFC East sees the Philadelphia Eagles at home coming off of their bye 
playing host to the Washington football team, who, as I mentioned, Terry McLaurin in concussion protocol, Taylor Heineke dealing with a knee injury. We don't really know what his status is going to be. It seems more likely than not that Heineke will be able to play in this game, and I don't think he'll be overly limited in the game either. This is an upset play for me. I'm actually going to take Washington, even given that Philly is coming in off their bye and that Washington uh, does struggle this season with controlling the football. They give up a few too many turnovers, the defense not generating turnovers like it like they normally have. The Eagles have been really bad at home this year. Washington is at least an even money team on the road. And lately, that defense has been playing really, really solid football. The offense leaving something to be desired, but the defense definitely playing really good ball. The Eagles can say the same thing. Their defense has been playing well as well, and their offense has certainly been playing better than Washington. This is why this is an upset play for me. I just don't trust the Eagles at home. I really don't. So division game, anything can happen. Feels good to me. Let's grab Washington on the road in Philadelphia to beat the Eagles. Obviously, like I mentioned, this is an upset play. Washington taking five points here as the road underdog. I like him to win outright, so give me Washington plus the five points. Let's go football team 23, Eagles 21. Washington goes in there and gets the upset win. We're off to Heinz Field next. Steelers playing host to the Tennessee Titans. Pittsburgh coming in with the benefit of the long week, having played Minnesota on Thursday back last week. So obviously Tennessee is getting very excited right now because all the conversation is about, oh, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's going to be back. He might even be back before the playoffs. So obviously the Tennessee folks are, are riding high right now. And of course with good cause because Derrick Henry is a nuclear weapon in this league. I'm hesitant to give the Titans a ton of credit given that they were playing Jacksonville last week and yeah, they shut them out 20 to nothing. It, it, it's, it's Jacksonville. Um, so I'm hesitant to give them a ton of credit for that, but they certainly got the job done, certainly defensively. The offense has certainly been a struggle. They're only scoring 17 points a game over the last month. Like, that's less than the Raiders. It's less than Washington. Like, that, that's a problem, for sure. But, I mean, look, there's no problem solver in the NFL that's quite like Derrick Henry. So if they can get him back soon enough, that would certainly spell good things for them. Steelers, their offense has not exactly been humming either. Now, they did drop that 36-28 to game on Thursday against Minnesota. That was a game that they trailed at least 23 to nothing. So they did certainly make a comeback once the game was basically too little too late. And Minnesota kind of let their foot off the gas there a little bit. Yeah, didn't they? Over their last four games, the Steelers are giving up an NFL-worst 34 points Per game, They're coming off of just giving up 36 to Minnesota, who I don't consider to be a massive offense, even though lately they've certainly been playing better. I got to like the prospects of Tennessee to put up some points here. Let's take the Titans on the road in Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers. On the line, Tennessee only laying two points here as a road favorite. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's lay the two points on the Titans. We're going to go Tennessee 28, Pittsburgh 21. Titans get the win. Speaking of Jacksonville, hey, let's go to Jacksonville for the literal toilet bowl of this season. The Jacksonville Jaguars at home playing host to the Houston Texans. Uh, Jacksonville sucks more than Houston. 
And that's both on the field and off the field with all this Urban Meyer garbage. Shad Khan, Tony Khan, if you're listening to me. Tony, I know you're listening. I've said enough negative things about AEW that I know you're listening to me. Fire this guy. (laughs) Get Urban Meyer out of this building. Whether all the things that are being said about him are true or not, you should have fired him back in October when he did the thing with the fingers. You should have fired him then. But since you didn't, now you've got all this extra stuff that's floating around over. Now you've got a discord between him and players, him and veteran players. That's a significant problem. And then when he when he answers for it, like when he answers to it, just like, well, any any source that is leaking this stuff, they're fired immediately. Yeah, that's not the way you deal with that herb. He's, he's going to be perfectly suited to coaching college kids that don't have any authority to talk back to him. The second he starts coaching adults, it's going to be, it's a fish out of water and it's proven that it's been a fish out of water. So I'm going to take Houston here because I don't think I'm going to pick with Jacksonville one more time for the rest of this year. And it sucks for the fan base because the fan base does not deserve this, but we're going to take Houston here. Let's take the Texans on the road in Jacksonville to beat the Jags who can't keep a hold of the football and take way too many penalties. So Houston, actually a three-point underdog in this game, which means Vegas has no idea what to do with this, so they just slapped a minus three on it. So Houston plus the three points. No doubt in my mind. Houston, 16. Jacksonville, 10. Maybe the Texans might figure out how to run the football a little bit too. So after that unpleasantness, let's now go to Denver for what I'm, game I'm actually really excited for, the Denver Broncos and the Cincinnati Bengals. Two of the least penalized teams in the NFL. They do not make a ton of mistakes against themselves. They are going to force opponents to beat them in both cases. Both Denver and Cincinnati sporting stout defenses, that's a little bit of a tongue twister, sporting stout defenses over the last month or so worth of games. Broncos only giving up 19 points a game over their last four. Cincinnati only giving up 23 a game over their last four. Now, Cincinnati is on a two-game losing streak. They've only scored 45 points in their last two games. They've given up 67. So they're definitely on a bit of a downward trend here, but they still are in a very good position here in terms of the AFC playoff picture. They've still got a ton to play for. Denver still has a ton to play for. And yeah, Denver's coming off a 38 to 10 beatdown, but it was against Detroit. Even given that the Broncos scored 38 points last week, they're still only averaging 22 a game over their last four. Even given scoring 38 points, which is almost... Uh, 10 of that 22 right there. So I I don't really trust this Broncos offense by and large outside of spike performances like they had last week. Cincinnati's been a relatively consistent offense, been a little bit on the lower end of that consistency over the last couple of weeks, but they've been relatively consistent offensively. I think that's what gets the job done in this game. I like the Bengals here on the road in Denver to get the win over the Broncos. The Broncos are real good against middling mediocre teams. I don't think the Bengals are that. On the line, Cincinnati's taking a point and a half here as the underdog in Denver. I'm taking them to win, so give me Cincinnati plus the 1.5. Let's go Bengals 27, Broncos 24. I think it's going to be an entertaining football game. I like Cincinnati to get the job done. 
Let's go to Los Angeles now. The Los Angeles Rams going to play host to the Seattle Seahawks. Another division game here. And the Rams coming off of a fairly impressive win just last night on Monday Night Football, beating the Arizona Cardinals 30-23. to Now, they had to have the Cards shoot themselves in the foot a little bit for that to happen, uh, not being able to recover the Cards onside kick. And then it took them having a couple of penalties and a very clutch Aaron Donald sack to secure that win. They do are, of course, coming in off the short week. They're one of the least penalized teams in the NFL, which is very good. They don't make a ton of mistakes to hurt themselves. The Seahawks, on the other hand, on the road here, their second straight road game, and they certainly looked better last week. And they're finally kind of looking over the last couple of weeks offensively like the Seattle Seahawks that we've kind of come to expect. Rams offense chugging along the last couple of weeks as well. 67 points total in their last two games to Seattle's 63. So both offenses playing very well. Seattle got to give the Seahawks the edge here on defense as well. Only giving up 19 points per game over their last four to LA's 24. So this is a close matchup. This is a fairly close matchup that I don't think is going to wind up a close matchup when they actually hit the field. I was pretty impressed with the Rams last night. OBJ seems to have found a place in that offense. I believe three touchdowns now since he came over to the Rams. I think the Rams are going to hit the gas here at the right time. Seattle being on back-to-back -back road games, I don't love that. I like the Rams here. Let's take the Rams at home to beat Seattle. On the line, the Rams are seven-point favorites, so a full touchdown in a division game. you got to certainly take that into consideration. But I think this winds up being something like a three-possession game. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Rams score a touchdown, maybe defensively in garbage time in this game, that maybe makes the final score look like a little more of a blowout than it actually is on the field. But I, the Rams are the better football team here. And this is a full reflection that I just don't quite trust Seattle yet. If Seattle can win a game like this, I, they have my full trust moving forward. But... I don't think they do that. I think the Rams are hitting their stride. They're getting ready for a hopeful, you know, hopefully deep run in the playoffs for them. Let's take the Rams at home to beat Seattle. And I'm going to lay the seven points on the Rams against the spread in what I think winds up being close to a three possession game or a three possession game. Let's take the Rams 35, Seattle 16. I'm, I'm not thoroughly convinced with the offense, but look, they have every opportunity here to prove me wrong. Let's go to Baltimore now where the Ravens are going to play host to the Green Bay Packers. My Green Bay Packers up against the blind Canadian Cats, Baltimore Ravens. So the cat just can't get rid of me. He had to beat me in fantasy this week, which of course he did. Now the teams have to beat each other in real life. Baltimore, we talked about it earlier, the status of Lamar Jackson, kind of hazy, the status of Calais Campbell, which is a big piece of their pass rush, that is awfully hazy as well. What we do know about the Ravens is they have struggled a little bit this year protecting the football. They've coughed up a few too many turnovers. Their defense has been opportunistic, but not exactly what I would call uh, the ball hawking defense that we've been sort of used to seeing from the Ravens. Uh, historically. Now, they are bringing back Tony Jefferson. They did just re-sign him to their, their practice squad, so maybe that's bringing a little bit of that back. 
For the Packers, we know the story. Offensively, they limit their turnovers in a big way. They generate turnovers on the defensive side. They do not take penalties. They force you to beat them. The offense is clicking, clicking, clicking here. Look, again, they're hitting their stride at the right time. Defense, I kind of have some questions about. They've got, I think, two or three straight games where they've given up at least 28 points. So that is a big question mark for me. Uh, I put up a poll on Twitter as to whether uh, Packers fans are worried or not worried. And through the magic of editing, I'm going to take a pause and check what the results are on that to this point and come right back to you and let you know. It is a dead split right now, 50-50 between should the Packers be worried, should the Packers be not worried, given the defensive performances over the last few weeks. And look, this is a defense that obviously has been dealing with its fair share of injuries, has had its fair share of really strong performances, especially from Eric Stokes in his rookie year. I really like the Packers in this spot, even though the game's in Baltimore, definitely tougher to win in Baltimore. But I, I just, I really like what I've seen from the Packers off offense they're certainly hitting their stride at the right time let's take green bay on the road in baltimore to beat the ravens on the line packers are laying five points here as the road favorite i think this is probably a two possession game so i feel all right about laying those five points on green bay let's take green bay minus the five in baltimore packers 34 ravens 23 and the last game we're going to look at sees the Chicago Bears in an NFC North division matchup playing host to the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings, as we mentioned, picking up the win against Pittsburgh on Thursday in week 14. So they get to come in with the benefit of the long week. Now, maybe they can use that long week to figure out how to take a few fewer penalties because that has been a prevalent problem with them all year long. On Chicago's sideline, a prevalent problem for them all year long is coughing up the football. A lot of turnovers, not generating very many on defense. Now one of the worst teams in the NFL in terms of their turnover differential. I think Justin Fields is dealing with uh, an injury, little injury thing. I'm not going to hold that against the Bears because I don't think it's major. I think he plays through it, but I think it's something that he's kind of dealing with there. David Montgomery, I think, has been kind of hit and miss since he came back from injury. I think I got to go with the Vikings here. The Vikings are playing better football lately. Chicago, the defense is all right. Although the last couple of weeks, they've looked really bad. Sure, they scored 30 points last week and got off to a really good start against Green Bay, but obviously could not hold that for four quarters. The offense has not been great other than that. I think we got to go with the Vikings here who are scoring a lot of points and giving up a lot of points, but I will take their offensive upside in this matchup. Let's take Minnesota on the road in Chicago to beat the Bears. On the line, Vikings are laying three and a half points here as the road favorite. And kind of like the case was with the Green Bay Packers, I think this is a two-possession football game. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the three and a half points on Minnesota. Let's go Vikings 27, Bears 16. Good NFC North matchup. Vikings get it done. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 15 in the NFL. We start, as always, with the bronze pick, which is 12-2 and two straight up, 10-4 and four against the spread, and now even money on the totals on the season at 7-7. Seven and seven. My bronze pick sees the San Francisco 49ers at home playing host to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, the Falcons, coming off the tail end of back-to-back -back road games in this one, 
And they're not a team that travels crazy well, although I think we talked about it before. They're certainly traveling better this year than they have in years past. Obviously a pretty significant uptick in competition this week for Atlanta. Yes, they got the win. I think it was 29 to 21 over Carolina last week. Now they got to play a Niners team that offensively is clicking, defensively is clicking, and George Kittle is playing football angry. That man is a target machine. He is a yak monster. George Kittle reclaiming his spot as one of the elite top tight end options in the NFL. Certainly over these last couple of weeks, he has left the entire league on notice with what he's capable of doing. Pretty consistent offensive performances for the Niners. Fairly consistent defensive performances as well. And I just don't think, again, we're going back to the whole Atlanta thing. Do they have Calvin Ridley? No, it's really difficult to trust them offensively. The defense hasn't been playing too badly. But I, I just can't trust them offensively, certainly not in a matchup like this. So I'm all over the 49ers this week. Let's take San Francisco at home to beat Atlanta. Now on the line, it's a lot of chalk. The Niners are laying nine points, that's funny, at home here against Atlanta. I think it's a 10-point game. My final score here is 27-17. to 17. So I have to lay those nine points. It's uncomfortable. I'm not going to say it's completely unjustified. I will say I wouldn't be shocked to see this number closer to seven and a half when it comes to, you know, kickoff. Certainly if we get some uh, out of the blue news about Calvin Ridley. But uh, I got to lay the nine points because I think that's what's going to land. And with a total of 45 and a half points, I have to stick under as well. Pretty close to a perfect total. I've got it at 44 points. So I got to go under 45 and a half, but boy... Really, really shaky on both of those betting plays here for the bronze pick. Niners straight up. We're going to lay the nine points on San Francisco. Game stays under 45 and a half points. That is the bronze pick. Niners 27, Falcons 17. My silver pick where I'm 11 and 3 straight up. Even money against the spread at 7 and 7 and only 4 and 10 on the totals. Ooh, that is rough. Sees the Buffalo Bills at home playing host to the Carolina Panthers. Now, in one way, the Bills and the Panthers are very similar. Uh, both of them take way too many penalties. They have all season long. And it's one of, that's one of those things that I think holds Buffalo back from being a truly elite team in this league. They, they, you got to clean up the penalties. You can't be shooting yourself in the foot and always expect to be able to score your way out of it. So that's one of those things that I think holds Buffalo back. And over the last month or so of games, these two teams are not that different. Buffalo scoring 21 points a game, Carolina scoring 22, both of them allowing 24. So in both cases, they're allowing more points than they've been scoring, and they take too many penalties. The difference in this game is that Buffalo controls the football, Carolina does not. Carolina, one of the lower teams in the league in the turnover differential. Buffalo, one of the higher teams in the league in the turnover differential. There will be one or two opportunities here for the Buffalo Bills to generate turnovers. That's going to wind up being the difference in this football game. I'm going to grab the Bills here, obviously, at home. I also, where it's at home, I like them even more. Let's take the Bills to beat the Panthers. On the line, however, Buffalo's laying 11 points. These two teams are too similar to each other lately to lay 11 points, even in a home situation like this. I think it's a two-possession game, 
But I'm not taking, I'm not laying the 11 points. I'm taking the 11 points with the Carolina Panthers. It's not a comfortable take, but I am going to take the 11 points. I wonder, what's my record like against the spread in these top four picks in games where I've taken the points? Once again, through the miracle of editing, I went back and checked. I've done it 11 times in these top four picks, five and six. So, I mean, it's kind of a coin flip, but I, I just don't feel comfortable laying that many points on the Bills right now. So let's take Carolina plus the 11 points. Total in the game is set at 43. I think this is two struggling offenses. I think this stays under. This is going to be a real sweat on these points, but my math says it stays under. So we're going to go under 43 and a half points in Carolina Buffalo. Bills straight up. We're going to take the points with Carolina at plus 11 in Buffalo in a game that stays under 43 and a half points. That is my silver pick. We're going to go Bills 20, Panthers 10. My gold pick where I'm 10 and 4 straight up and 8 and 6 both against the spread and over under sees the Detroit Lions playing host to the Arizona Cardinals. And now, of course, Arizona is going to come into this game on the short week. And of course, losing that game last uh, last night to the Rams, uh, 30 to 23. I didn't think they looked great in that spot. I don't think they've been all that great at home this year. And this is going to be their last road game of the season. It is not locked up that the Arizona Cardinals are going to make the playoffs. They've not played well at home this year. On the road, they've been dynamite. I think they're 7-0 straight up. And I think they're 7-0 against the spread. I think they've won and covered every single game that they've played on the road this year. So uh, th look, this, this is a blowout. Arizona is going to be mad about what happened last night. And they should be because it's probably not a game they should have lost. Certainly not the way that they lost it. And I think we're looking at some Detroit Lions destruction in this one. So we're definitely very, very, very heavily on the Arizona Cardinals around these parts, even though they've been playing pretty middling, mediocre football over the last month or so. I think Arizona writes the ship this week. Arizona clobbers Detroit. On the line, Arizona's laying two full touchdowns at minus 14. This is a blowout in my mind, so I'm going to go ahead and lay those 14 points with the Arizona Cardinals and probably not think too much of it. Total in the game set at 47 and a half. I genuinely think Arizona's going to come close to covering this number on their own, and I think Detroit will score enough that this thing goes over fairly comfortably. We're going to go over 47 and a half points in Arizona, Detroit. Cards straight up, we're hammering the cards minus 14 against the spread in a game that goes over 47 and a half points. That is the gold pick. We're going to go Cardinals 42, Lions 16, and the platinum pick where I'm 11 and 3 straight up, 7 and 7 even money against the spread, and 6 and 8 on the total. Sees the last game of the week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home playing host to the New Orleans Saints, another division matchup. Saints are coming into this game on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games and appear to be continuing the Taysom Hill is a quarterback experiment. I don't think it's been going awfully well for them so far this year, but boy, they are going to keep at it. Yes, they won last week 30-9, but once again, look at the competition. They were playing the Jets. I'm not going to give them a ton of credit for that, especially given the two games before that where they had scored 23 points total. 
The defense for the Saints is not where it needs to be right now. Certainly not where it needs to be to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, the Bucs are rolling 30 points at least in all four of their most recent four games. They're only giving up 21 points a game across that stretch. Only one game where they gave up 30 or more. The Bucs are rounding into form. The Bucs are doing what the Bucs do, which is obviously getting ready for the postseason. They're not going to look beyond this game because it is a division matchup. It is important for them. Taysom Hill at quarterback is not going to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm sorry to tell you, I'm on Tampa Bay. I'll even double down on that. If a guy with a 60.1 QBR this year beats Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I might place a futures bet on the Saints winning the Super Bowl. All right, definitely think it's the Bucks in a walk here. On the line, the Bucks are laying 11 points at home. This is a three-possession game as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to go ahead and lay those 11 points on Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I think it goes over by a few. So we're going to go over 46.5 points in New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Bucks straight up. Bucks minus 11 against the spread over 46.5. That is the platinum pick. Bucks 34, Saints 17. There you go, folks. The Week 15 episode is now in the books. Of course, now that we're back to full 16-game schedules, the episodes are going to go back to being a little bit longer, but I'm still going to try to keep them under 60 minutes for your listening pleasure. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the Week 14 episode is going to go to my good friend, the blind Canadian cat, who we've mentioned a time or two in this episode. His comment from Week 14 reads as such. It wouldn't be a fantasy season in the Progs League if you and I didn't have a critical matchup. And it's very true. We have a little bit of a history of that happening. And I got three folks on the Monday Night Football game. Fingers crossed I don't have another Singletary moment from my roster, which is in reference to a couple of years ago where I think Devin Singletary either lost a fumble or lost a couple of yards on a late game rush. And Cat lost by just marginal, just almost nothing at all, but somehow still wound up losing the game with losing the points. May the best man win, Justin. May our fantasy battle be legendary this week. It wasn't really. You you kind of had it. <laughs> and may our real teams who battle the next week be also legendary. That, I think, will be true. That is supposed to be a good game. I believe that will be a good game. And Cat, I believe in you. Yours was the comment of the week from the week 14 episode. Week 15 now in the books, folks, just in time for my fridge to kick back on in the background. So for now, I will say thank you for listening. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at NerdTees. Enjoy the games here in week 15. And on a personal note, if you watched any of my CFL show this season, I want to thank you very, very much. A tremendously successful year for the CFL show coming back after no season in 2020 so look if you were a viewer of that show thank you so much i sincerely greatly appreciate it that season is done but we will be back next year enjoy week 15 we will see you again for week 16